Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. So last week, if you weren't here, we had our, a guest with us. His name's Rogers Audi. He is the, the founder and director of Ambassadors of Hope in Kenya. Uh, they run a school for impoverished kids and orphans, and then they do a ministry to widows. And so he was just sharing about all of that, and he's been in town for the last couple of weeks. He'll be leaving uh, Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, and I've been spending a lot of time with him. And probably the one phrase that I've heard more than anything else, and when he says it, he's trying to be uh, polite and acknowledge, um, you know, the obligations that he's maybe putting people under and being here. But he says over and over again, Americans are just so busy. So it's like, oh, thank you for arranging this for me. Thank you for meeting with me. I know Americans are so busy. Americans are so busy. Thank you for uh, you know, including me in this, including me in that. Americans are so busy. You all have so much going on. Um, and, uh, and I'm thinking, he says it so many times, you're like, wait a minute, is this like what we're known for in the world? Like we're so busy. And then I'm also reflecting on my own life. I'm like, yeah, I'm insanely busy. And if you're anything like me, as we get closer to the Advent season and the holidays, it can feel like everything's just ramping up, right? There are so many things to do. There's so many things to buy. Uh, there's, there's so many good things to be a part of, and the busyness is going to be right there in the middle of it. Uh, coming up to Advent this last week, of course, uh, I was suddenly faced with the reality that a number of ministries that we support that do work for uh, for children and, and other work in the community are are coming to us, and it's time for their Advent activities. And if you do work with children, usually Christmas is a pretty big deal. It's a pretty strategic time to do some ministry. And so the requests are coming at us to, hey, can our people help out with this? Can our people help out with that? Uh, at Renewal, we have uh, three or four causes, uh, two of them that we've carried almost from the beginning, uh, that are really focused on Christmas time. Uh, we have a ministry in our community called Young Lives. Many of you know about it. Um, a couple of our church members are, are part of Young Lives staff. Amber Motes regionally, and then um, and then Nicole Alexi here in our. She's our area director, uh, and they minister to teen moms. And so every year, we've done a Christmas party, and uh, and done a little angel tree for the teen moms and for their families, and. Every year at Renewal, we dig deep to support that effort. And then for the last number of years, I don't recall exactly how many, but for the last number of years, we've added foster kids in our community to that request for a little extra help at Christmas time. And these are community ministries, and I, I believe other churches are involved in them. Uh, and yet at the same time, if you're anything like me, I'm feeling this week the burden to meet some of these needs in our community, to be a part of it. And uh, you probably got the newsletter. I know uh, a, at least half of you opened it, um, and then about 13% of you actually clicked on something. Uh, so we're getting down there. But you saw, the, you saw the newsletter this week. You probably saw these various different needs popping up. Uh, we had planned to talk about 
another ministry that we work with, um, sometimes I just feel like we're so crazy. We just have all of these ministries that we support, and it's like we should just cut one of them off so we don't have to worry about so many things, but I don't know. We just, we just walk with who God's called us to walk with. Uh, but the least of these, Guatemala, is a, another ministry that we wor- we've worked with since they started uh, in 2015, and they're char- starting a children sponsorship program. And there's a part of me that, as a pastor with ministries coming and asking for stuff, that wants to say, can anybody do something at a time other than November, December? Like, can we, and in fact, it was even suggested by our ever-strategically-thinking office administrator, Jessica Nielsen, that we should just have one of these ministries come to us in, like, July or June, and we'll fundraise for Christmas in June or July. I thought, what a great idea, except for I know that nobody's going to do anything for Christmas in June or July because that's just not how we work. So anyways, part of me is like, how do they all come at the same time? Part of me is overwhelmed by this great need, and again, these are good people doing good and valuable work. It's not like I'm passing a hat around asking you for money so I can buy my kids some Legos. Like, this is, this is good people doing serious work for people who have less than us. Um, but it all kind of leads to, and I hear this at times even from members of the congregation, it leads to this feeling of being spread thin over the holidays. Or this feeling of there's just, there's just too many needs around. Can we just ignore a few of them and focus on one or two so that we can do you know, a really good job covering one or two? Maybe people are feeling a little beat down and a little beat down and overwhelmed by needs in a season when the busyness of life is just ramping up. So turn your Bibles to John chapter 6 because believe it or not, Jesus has been in your shoes. John chapter 6 starts with these words. Sometime after this, being John chapter 5, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. There was a great crowd of people who followed him because they saw the signs he performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and he sat down with his disciples, and the Jewish Passover festival was near. John sets this scene up. Jesus has crossed the sea. He's gone up on a hillside with his disciples. And by the way, the Jewish Passover is near. Now, these are all great details for the setting. But to truly understand the story, the context of this story, we really have to look at the Gospel of Matthew. Because in John chapter 5, the chapter we've taught through the last few weeks, we have Jesus doing ministry in the city of Jerusalem. And then a great, a good amount of time passes between John chapter 5 and 6. Matthew chapter 13, I think, gives us some insight into what happened in between those two chapters. And one thing that happened is Jesus's cousin, his ministry associate, John the Baptist, is executed by the ruler at the time. And in Matthew's gospel, Jesus hears the news that John the Baptist has been executed. And the first thing he wants to do is get away to a quiet place. And so he crosses the sea, and he goes up onto the mountainside to get away. Jesus is is dealing with some real serious stuff, the loss of a friend. In his grief and in his loss, he's just trying to get away for a little bit of a vacation. This is how Matthew sets up the story of what happens next. Jesus, hearing that John the Baptist has been executed, feeling uh, worn out and like he needs a little bit of a break, 
and trying to go to a remote place to find them. My question for you is, have, have any of you ever felt that yourselves? Maybe some of you are feeling it right now. Maybe some of you read the newsletter, saw all the needs, and thought, I'd like a break from this, and hit unsubscribe. Did anyone unsubscribe this week, Jessica? Oh, it's too depressing. <laughs> I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, isn't it ironic that at, at a busy time of the year heading into the holidays, some of us might feel a little spread thin, a little bit like we might need a bit of a holiday. Um, and Jesus has felt that way. And if you recall, uh, Bilbo Baggins has felt that way at one time or another as well. Let's check out this clip from The Lord of the Rings. I know I don't look it, but I'm beginning to feel it in my heart. I feel thin, sort of stretched like butter scraped over too much bread. I need a holiday, a very long holiday, and I don't expect I shall return. In fact, I mean not to. Whoa, this got really heavy. I imagine that's a little bit what Jesus felt like. Uh, he finds out his, his friend, his cousin, his relative is executed. Uh, someone who Jesus knew, you know, because he's Jesus, knew so well. And someone who he's counting on. And this is part of where Jesus' humanity is on display. In this face of this grief and this loss, he's like, I just need to get away for a little bit of R&R, &R. Uh, he, he goes across the sea, he goes up on the hillside, and the people follow him. They figure out where he's gone, and they go with him. And then Matthew says, when he sees the crowd coming, his heart is moved with compassion. Sure, he's going through his own stuff, he's feeling the grief and the loss, but in this moment, his heart connects on a deep level with the needs of the people who are coming to him. He begins to feel the weight of their troubles, and he's, he's moved by it. Instead of getting away for some R&R, &R, instead of searching for a little bit of a vacation or a break from them, his heart is moved, and he begins to minister to them and to teach them and to heal. Maybe some of you have experienced something similar. You know, you're sitting in a certain place, and you're thinking to yourself, I, I just feel like I have nothing left to give. And the opportunities just keep showing up. Opportunities to give. Opportunities to support. Opportunities to sacrifice. And you think, I just, I can't do it again. And then somehow your heart is moved by this cause and so you open up your life or you open up your wallet and you give and you sacrifice. You decide to put pause on the vacation or the escape and you somehow rally. And this is what Jesus does. Matthew 5, or sorry, John chapter 6, verse 5 says, When Jesus looked up and saw the great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where should we buy bread for these people to eat? John adds, He asked this only to test him, for he knew what he was about to do. Jesus is in full rally mode here. He's been teaching, the crowd's there, it's late in the day, it's time for them to eat, and he looks at Philip and he says, Philip, what are we going to do about this? Philip answers him and says, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Philip's looking at the situation. He's really good at math. 
He's like, it would take more than a year to buy enough bread for everyone to have a single bite. And their stomachs aren't going to be full and we'll have spent, you know, more than a year's wages. We'll have spent everything we had and it won't have done any good in the end. He's looking at it. This is an impossible task. There's nothing we can do. I think we can probably identify with Philip at times in our life, right? You're looking at a situation, you're thinking, there's just no way. The need is too great. We'll have that angel tree sitting here in a couple of weeks. It'll be covered with labels of teen moms in the community and their families. And you're thinking, I got to buy Christmas presents for my darn relatives. I can't afford anything else. There's no way. You're getting the email with the links about Royal Family Kids, and you're thinking, there's enough kids in my life right now. I can't be bothered with these foster kids. Somebody else should take care of them. There's no way. I can't do it. Philip sees no way. Another one of his disciples, Andrew, speaks up. He says to Jesus, hey, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Maybe you read a book about this boy when you were a child, or someone read it to you in children's church. Andrew says, here's a kid, I stole his lunch, but how far is this going to go to feed so many people? Andrew has a little bit of a solution, I mean, sort of. He's like, look, that's a lot of people, we've got a little bit of food, how is this ever going to work? He's looking at the need, he's at least willing to assess what he has, but he's thinking, what I have might as well be zero. I can acknowledge I have a little bit to give, but what I have to give really isn't going to make a difference Because the crowd is so big. Jesus says to him, well, let's have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and so they sat down. You ever wonder why certain details are in the scriptures? I'm becoming convinced that they're really significant, and we should pay attention when they're there. Um, But the whole idea that they're sitting on grass instead of dirt, like, I don't know. Uh, Maybe in heaven it'll all make sense. Um, They sit down on the grass. There's about 5,000 men there, women and children as well, but they just didn't count them back then. Uh, Can you believe it? Those jerks. Verse 11, Jesus took the loaves, he gave thanks, and then he distributed them to those who were seated as much as they wanted. And then he did the same with the fish. There's five loaves, there's two small fish. In fact, that's what Andrew says, five small loaves and two small fish. What could this be against a need that's so great? And yet Jesus takes the five loaves. He gives thanks to God for what he has. He begins to break it and share it with people. He does the same with the fish. And then thousands of people are fed. This is a miracle. When they all had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over and let nothing be wasted. So the disciples go out and they begin to gather the leftover pieces. I'm assuming that they gave someone a, a chunk of bread and they took a few bites and then they were full and they couldn't finish it. And so it's the leftovers are all sitting there. Things are, things are piling up and they collect baskets of leftovers. The phrase that jumped out at me at that verse this week was when Jesus says, let nothing be wasted. So this incredible miracle happens where Jesus takes a small offering of loaves and fishes, feeds a crowd, and has an immense amount of leftovers, and yet in that place, even for someone who can multiply food or make it seem to appear out of thin air, Jesus says, let's not waste a single bit of it. I think about how we 
manage our resources in an affluent society. And think of how much waste there is because we're not all that concerned about not wasting because there's enough to go around. So it's okay if I throw a half a plate of food away or throw away, you know, extra stuff. Um, man, there's every time that we have clothes to donate, you know, the bag sits in the garage for a while and I'm tempted to throw it away because I'm like, I would have thrown it away this week except for letting not anything be wasted. I'm like, oh, wait, okay, no, I really should take these and donate them. Does anyone else have a bag of clothes sitting in their garage? I'm just curious. I knew a few of you did. All right, that's good. I'm so reassured to be in the presence of such saints and sinners alike, saved by grace. Um, you know, I wonder how much of what we are going to uh, invest our resources and our time and our energy into going into this Advent season. I wonder how much of it is waste. And I just pray the Holy Spirit really gives us uh, wisdom to discern how it is that we can make sure we're not wasting anything. Anyhow, the disciples are told not to waste anything. They run out, they gather, they fill 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. How did the story start? Jesus is depleted. He's sad. He needs a break. In this place of being, of needing a break, needing to break away, a great need arises, and Jesus rallies. He responds to it. By the grace of God, he ministers to the people who are themselves depleted and in need. And then what are the results of all of this? Miraculous abundance. The story starts in a place of heartbrokenness and, and great need and, and an impoverished soul and an impoverished society and, and a teacher and a master who is at the end of his rope and it ends with baskets full of food left over after the potluck. So often, stories in Scripture that start that way end the same way when God gets involved. This is how God works. It's almost like He really, really means to use the weak things to shame the things that are strong. It's almost like He really, really means to use the foolish things to confound the wise, to use the lowly things, the despised things, the things that are not to nullify those things that are. And so if you're going into this next season or you're reading through the needs in the newsletter or you're hearing the presentations about needs in the coming weeks and you're thinking to yourself, gosh, I am tired. I'm a little depleted right now. My bank account is not where I wish it was. I want to encourage you because you may just be in the exact right place to be used by God for a miracle of provision and abundance. If you feel burdened with grief and sadness, or if you're feeling in a place where you're like, I am unfit to minister to the needs around me. It just isn't a good time. Just let me catch my breath. I need a break. I want to encourage you that if you'll allow your heart to be moved to compassion by the Spirit of God as you encounter people and needs around you, something great might happen. Something great might happen if you don't allow your fatigue to prevent you 
from ministering to the needs that God brings across your path. And that something just might be miraculous abundance. God really knows what he's doing. I think sometimes he allows us to come to the end of our rope so that when we're responding to needs, we're not responding out of the plenty that we have, but we're responding out of faith in God that he is enough. Something that's really difficult to do in an affluent society is to reach to that place where you're giving what you don't have. And I think this is one reason why God allows us to become depleted and feeling like we're at the end of the ro- a rope. Or this might be one reason why, why all the ministries bring the need around the same time. So that we can feel that stretch and have to wrestle with the reality that this is too much for us. What we need is God to do a miracle. This isn't like a miracle of, well, just really responsible management of our resources. But a bona fide God multiplied and all the needs were covered kind of a miracle. Our prayer should be going into this season. Lord, show me where you're wanting to miraculously multiply the little bit that I have. That the masses around me might eat. Verse 14, after the people saw the sign that Jesus performed, after they'd eaten baskets full of bread, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who's come into the world. Wouldn't you know, the point of this story is the same point that the other stories have had, that Jesus is trying to reveal himself to the people of God. They see Jesus perform the miracle. They're like, this is the prophet. Who's the prophet? Well, you might not know because you didn't grow up in a Jewish household that was waiting for the prophet. But since the death of Moses back in the Old Testament, these people of God have been waiting for a prophet like Moses who would come and lead the people. They've been waiting for a prophetic leader who will deliver them, not from the Egyptians, but from themselves, from the sin and death that's ruled over humanity since the fall in the Garden of Eden. They're waiting for a Messiah who's going to come and deliver them and establish a kingdom that will know no end. And one of the titles they had for that person was the prophet. Who is this Jesus? He might be the prophet like Moses who's coming. Moses, who, led by God, made food appear from thin air. This guy, we just saw it. He had five loaves and two fish, and he fed everyone. The the food just kept coming. Maybe he's the leader like Moses. Could this be the one that we're waiting for? This is the point of it all, right? Not that Jesus is filling their bellies and providing food for them, but he's revealing himself to them, opening their minds to, to see who might this person be. As we are entering this Advent season together, there's a few things that I want to encourage us to do together. One, it's okay to acknowledge where you're at. Jesus came to his disciples and he said, hey, how can we feed these people? And Philip's like, there's no way. And Jesus doesn't hit him over the head and say, darn it, Philip, you're just a You're a buzzkill every time. Negative Nancy, get it together. Andrew comes and says, well, we have a little bit, but what difference does it make if if I feed, you know, I I got this kid's lunch. I'm ready to, I'm ready to give it, but it doesn't seem like it'll make any difference. So maybe the, maybe the three of us just split this and eat it ourselves and let everyone else go hungry. 
Jesus doesn't hit him over the head and say, come on, Philip, figure it out. Or Andrew, figure it out. Jesus probably never messed their names up. Um, it's okay to acknowledge where you're at. It's okay to say, I feel stretched thin. And I'm really counting on God to, to fix this all. I was super inspired by Rogers because he has his own Christmas effort he does every year. And every year because uh, I, as a leader, and the deacons have been agreeable to this. So they've been conspirators in this idea. I've said, I just don't want to tell people about another need at Christmas. So we've just, we've just sent money to them out of the general fund on our own. We, it's a big secret. Big secret. We're helping widows at Christmas. It's out. Sorry. Um, so... Rogers had had a video he wanted us to show, and he wanted to talk about it. And we were going to do it last week, and then we ran out of time. And then there's so many needs this week. And so I told him this last week. Look, man, I'm really sorry, but I don't think we're going to be able to show the video and talk about it. But, you know, we'll, we'll come through for the widows like we always do. And he said, I told him, we have all these other needs and efforts that we're a part of, and, and it's Christmas time. And, and uh, he was like, James, don't worry about it said, I'm really trusting on God to care for these widows. It's his job to provide. I'm not hoping that Renewal City Church is going to come through for me. I'm, I'm really trusting God to, to make it all happen. And he cares about those widows, and he's the one who's going to make it happen. And I said to him, I said, Rogers, you just always say the right things, the checks in the mail. No. Um, I was inspired by his response. It's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like if there was ever somebody to be like, no, you don't understand. Put my need first. Forget about everybody else. It would be the orphans and the widows, you know, in Kenya who, I mean, if there was ever someone who could try to make a case for this should be more important than that. But the reality is these are all God's children. He cares deeply about his people and he wants to care for them and feed them. And he's inviting us to be a part in participating in that, however it might be. Jesus didn't say to Andrew, go to the store, buy more bread. He said, what do we got to work with? Five loaves, two fish. So the question for us is, what do you have to work with this year? As we're faced different Advent needs, as you are entering into a season of, of hopefully that's defined by uh, generosity and, and giving to others, what do you have to work with? And then believing that what God has given to you to work with is going to be enough uh, to share and to build his kingdom.